0: You're listening to the Between You and Me podcast, brought to you by JesusWire.com
1: with your host, Jessica Morris. Good morning, guys, and welcome to a new episode of Between You and Me, the podcast where we talk about the things that hurt, heal, and change us in the music industry and in the church. I am your host, Jessica Morris, and I want to say a huge thank you for waiting out over the long weekend while we got you this new episode. We thought that, look, our American friends are celebrating Thanksgiving. They've got a shorter work week. Let's just ride it out and go with it. So... Thank you for taking those few extra days. We promise they have been worth it because today we have a stellar episode. You will meet our new friend, Joel Macero. Joel is new and different to the podcast because while he is an artist, he's actually a spoken word poet. We have never had one on before and I'm so happy that you get to meet this guy. He actually was a person who introduced me to spoken word poetry through performance before I heard him a few years back. I was not at all familiar with it. And he has this amazing way of bringing in faith and honesty and spirituality and social justice and just this tone that really mesmerizes you. So I cannot wait for you to hear from Joel. We caught up because he's actually just dropped a new book called Woven, A Spirituality Fully Dissatisfied, which I mean, if there was ever a book written for us, I think that would be it. So he has a lot of good stuff to say, which I think you'll really love. We also dive into actually acknowledging our own privilege and, you know, being middle class Caucasian Australians, both of us have grown up Protestants and in the church. We had a lot to discuss there and I loved hearing Joel's feedback about how he has actually confronted that in his own life and how he actually now creates space to learn and grow and be wrong. Before we get to this week's episode, can I ask a tiny favor? Because it's December and it's nearly Christmas. Can you do me a favor and give us a great gift? Go to Apple Podcasts right now, even if you don't follow us on there. It's okay. And go and hit that five-star button because we would love a rating. It means more people find us. And we love that because we get to share these incredible stories with you and all our friends. So please go and do that. In the meantime, that's literally all I have because this is Joel Maccaro. say that Joel McKerrow is just a spoken word poet is like saying that music is just made up of notes. In reality, he's also a TEDx speaker, an educator, a performance poet, an actor, a filmmaker, an author, and a lecturer. Got that out, great. And if you really want to get down to the nitty-gritty, he's also the frontman of the band The Mysterious Few. And here's the rub. Joel does all these things exceptionally well. Time and time again, he has shown that a true artist can never be pigeonholed, and this tenacity has appeared in his published work since he took up pen to paper professionally in 2004. So who is Joel Macquero? Well, to put it simply, he is one of Australia's most successful performing spoken word poets. Growing up in regional New South Wales, a state of Australia, for all you folks who don't know that our country actually has states, Just a heads up, Joel learned about Western Evangelical Christianity through his own family and pursued greater studies of this to better know and then teach theology. Everything changed for Joel when he went on a mission trip. I think a lot of us can relate to that, right? All of a sudden we are on the opposite side of the world and we witness people experiencing poverty and oppression we can't fathom. This was a genesis of Joel putting pen to paper and he began seriously pursuing poetry as a way to unravel his own faith and reconstruct it. To say that Joel was good at it is probably an understatement because it took him across the world. He developed his repertoire and refined his craft, becoming the co-founder of a community arts organisation called the Centre for Poetics and Justice which ran between 2010 and 13 for local creatives in Australia. In 2012, he became the first Australian to represent his country at the USA Grand Slam Championships, and he was a mainstay at conferences across the world for his nuance of creativity, contemplation, and poetry. He has appeared at the Justice Conference, the Global Health Conference, and counts his peers as Anis Mulkani, Propaganda, Sarah Kaye, Phil Kay, Ken Arkins, Buddy Wakefield, Mahogany Brown, Jive Poetic, Kerry Budinsky, and Luca Lesson. Joel released his first book, Beyond Rhetoric, writing in the tradition of Khalil Gibran in 2012, with Father Richard Rohr providing the foreword for the debut. He followed this with his first album, One Foot in the Clay, which combines musical soundscapes with his craft, and he explored the themes of confession, spiritual isolation, and lament. The book and album, These Wandering Feet, followed and Joel's influence continued to expand as he travelled and spoke at schools and conferences, he worked alongside Brian McLaren, John McMillan, Shane Claiborne, Lisa Sharon Harper, Jason Upton, Peter Rowlands, Eugene Cho. You get the idea. This dude knows everybody. And as the artist ambassador for Tear Australia, an aid development organisation, he has also worked closely in grassroots and social justice-based circles. When his 2016 album, Welcome Home, came out, it featured his band, The Mysterious Few, and included the spine-tingling pole for Today, which led the Tear Australia campaign that year. His book Hollowed Out Lungs showed his passion for working with and inspiring young creatives, something he now embraces doing multiple workshops and as a lecturer at Whitley College in Melbourne. To date, he has spoken in over 50 schools and met more than 40,000 students. Joel is the co-host of a Deep Plates podcast and is about to begin a new online creative course called A Clearing in the Forest. In 2019, Joel McKerrow is back with a new book, but not in the style you would expect. Woven, A Spirituality for the Dissatisfied is a memoir come non-fiction creative reflection on his own spiritual deconstruction and reconstruction. All our favorite things. It has been endorsed by everyone from Tim Costello to Lisa and Sharon Harper, Danielle Strickland, Jared McKenna, the makers and mystic Stephen Roach and Hillsong College's Tanya Riches. I spoke to Joel in Melbourne about his new book, and he opened up about how he became aware of his own privilege, what it means to love someone you disagree with, and why every moment can be sacred, even if it involves a naked snake dancer. But you'll have to hear the whole conversation to understand that reference. Guys, meet the very passionate and very talented Joel McEnroe. So, for all our friends who have never met you before, they're very lucky today, who is Joel Macero?
0: Ah, uh, yes, Joel Macero. that is uh, me. I'm a poet, uh, I'm a writer, I'm a speaker, uh, I do a whole lot of different things actually, which... Um, which I love I kind of I think I think the way for me the way to do creativity is just to have like a whole plethora of uh, things that you get to dabble into so that when one is you're struggling with one thing you can get to jump to another thing to another thing to another thing so one day I'll be writing another day I'll be performing another day I'll be at a school running workshops another day I'll be at a conference uh, speaking to, to lots of people I do a whole lot of different things but really it kind of most of it kind of revolves around and, um, the literary and the performative kind of aspects so writing and performing and crafting poetry and writing books and things like that
1: brilliant so you have been when I say it's like working in the creative sphere for a long time I was taking a look back through your archives of your music releases and oh, yeah. like your books and stuff and you've probably been doing this for well over a decade now
0: yeah Yeah, it is just over a decade, I think, that poetry became kind of my full-time focus, poetry and writing. Um, Can you
1: tell me how you got started and actually launched yourself into that and came to this point?
0: Yeah, sure. So I... um. Uh, I mean, originally, so I'd been writing during high school and that kind of stuff, but it was all very cringe factor uh, kind of poetry with lots of cliches and lots of Christianese. I grew up in Christian world, so (laughs) just bad Christian poetry, honestly, is what it was. Um, I didn't do too much of it. I wasn't really into poetry too much. Uh, But then I was actually over, um, I was on the border of Thailand and Burma, and um, uh, many, so this would be of, 14 years ago something like that and um and had this experience of of kind of coming in to do some work at an orphanage there at the same time as this mother came in carrying her sick baby on her back and her baby uh had actually just passed away just as she got there and we got there together and oh. yeah and my my um first experience was kind of at, at this orphanage was digging this grave for this little baby boy and and really i just needed and it really shattered my life it was one of those um spiritual confrontational moments as well like um formational moments where uh the world that i thought existed uh no longer existed where my what i would call it would be my fish bowl was shattered one of my favorite sayings in the world is a fish in a bowl doesn't know that it's wet uh, and i had grown up in very white anglo-saxon middle class upper class kind of life and um didn't really understand about the reality of the world. And so my fishbowl was shattered and I needed some way to process through it. So I, um, there on the border, I picked up a pen and I started writing and it kind of came out as poetry, um, as kind of a therapeutic process, kind of just trying to work. Cause I was angry at life. I was angry at my parents and myself and my faith and God. And I just needed some way to work through the anger. And so it kind of began there. And then I, um, I, I kept on writing for a little while. I didn't do any performance stuff for a bit, but then a, a student in, uh, of mine introduced me to Anis Mojgani. Who's a performance? Oh yes, no, Anise? yeah, yeah, oh, amazing, incredible,
1: he's amazing, yeah,
0: amazing yes. performance part from the states, and so I watched some of his YouTubes and just fell in love. Was like, oh, I can't believe this thing exists. So, started uh, then, and randomly the next week, and then a, a friend invited me to a. Um, to a performance poetry night happening in melbourne and i went along and loved it and then i got up like a week later at the next one and and performed Whoa. yeah i'm i'm that kind of person i, I just that. give my whole self to something why not so um so i did that and um and then i i just kind of fell in love with the art form and it really took over um my life like i i kind of did a few of the kind of poetry slam things so poetry competitions and stuff like that and did really well in them and um but really it was a bunch of people were saying kind of how my poetry moved them and how it spoke to kind of some of the deeper realities that they were wrestling with and things like that and um and for me that was a i was like ah, i gotta do this thing so I, i went hardcore and as is as is my way with anything I just gave my whole self to it and within a short time um started an organization called the Center for Poetics and Justice which was a kind of a crew of us performance poets from around Melbourne wanting to use our poetry for more than just um our own sake but really wanting to connect it with kind of a a bigger purpose a bigger picture something larger than ourselves and so uh we will run the the Center for Poetics and Justice for all and that really just took off like that's really what began it is that that was kind of a became a nationally kind of recognized community arts organization and very quickly it became my thing my full-time thing and i had to finish up i was at a theology college lecturing but kind of finished that up to do this and poetry took over my life and then it all snowballed from there i met a man who saw the world differently sat cross-legged at his feet and he told me remember the past but cast your eyes forward for tomorrow our hope shall be a louder voice than our apathy our apathy shall finally take a step forward our steps forward shall lead us somewhere mean something, hold meaning like friends hold each other crying, I am crying for this world to change tears of empathy and sometimes apathy I cry today for tomorrow even these tears shall be wiped from our faces, lift your cheeks, though they are wet, there is one who shall collect them yet. Hold them in his hands and call it the ocean, beckon you to set sail, turn your face to the horizon for tomorrow. The nooses drawn tight around the necks of the oppressed will be like halos, like the saints around their heads are guiding light for the rest of us. Let us see the way forward comes not through power and politic, but through small acts of courage and change. Change, change, change us like loose coins are never gonna fix this problem. So let us go deeper than just charity. Change us like sweatshops closing. Change us like politicians stop posing. Change us like half the women of the world don't have to be abused. Change us like somebody has to stand up for tomorrow. We shall not just talk of gender equality, but rather women who in total work two thirds of the world's working hours bill. One day get paid more than
1: just 10% of the world's income for tomorrow. We imagine a day when corners do not exist. So can you tell me about your new book, which when this airs, it will have been out for two weeks so people can grab it straight away. Can you tell me about Woven? How is it different from your previous yeah.
0: yeah. Work? So my my previous books, I have three books before that. They're kind of straight poetry books. So they're poems that I'd written some as I'd been travelling around the world and that kind of stuff. This book is much more of a, it's kind of my first, uh, I suppose you would call it a creative non-fiction. So it's, it's prose but it has a very poetic literary kind of style uh, and essentially it moves between storytelling, me reflecting on different experiences in my life, uh, and then, kind of, yeah, kind of the reflections and the teaching and frameworks and stuff that come out of that, so basically, what it kind of looks at is kind of the idea that for each of us um, for many of us who have grown up within the faith uh grown up within Christian faith um, that uh we come to this point where The things of life happen so the way that i would frame it is the way that i framed it in the book is i've kind of split it up into a few different parts where we have what we call our uh what i call our sculpted self that we we believe who we we believe the things that we believe because we've been sculpted to believe that way it's the church we grew up in the family we grew up in the school that like maybe the christian school or whatever it might be we are we are shaped to believe things in a certain way um and And we hold on to those things, and so because I grew up in a Christian family, I grew up as a Christian. This was my sculpted kind of worldview, my sculpted faith uh, and then inevitably, uh, at some point in our lives, kind of the the crap hits the fan uh, the 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 answers that we once were so absolute about, we begin to question and struggle yep. and wrestle with, and God doesn't show up the way that we were told he would, and life doesn't look like it was meant to and Um, and we kind of begin what I call the unraveling self where, uh, those, those threads that once held us together now kind of get torn apart. And, and a bunch of my, like that experience that I shared before when my writing began was also a real key experience for me in terms of what I call my kind of faith journey. Uh, and a, a whole lot of other experiences around that time as well, like that I write about in the book, like one of, um, hanging out, a friend invited me along when I was, this is younger, when I was about 18, I think to a drop-in centre for um, street workers, for prostitutes, for girls off the street to come in and have a meal and get cleaned up and that kind of stuff. And, and uh, I remember being there um, washing dishes. i would never done anything like this before, but I remember being there washing dishes with one of the ladies. And, and I thought to myself, you know, this, this is the first time that I've spent any time with the people that Jesus spent all of his time with. And and yet I've called myself like a, a Jesus follower all of my life. Like it was one of those very self-confrontational moments where I realized I have not been following Jesus. <laughs> uh I have been I have been a Christian because of because that's the culture that I've grown up in, if that kind of makes sense. Um and so what that began for me uh in my life was um and unraveling and yeah. the kind of the unraveled stage that I look at within the book is is that those times in life where we point a lot of a lot of accusatory fingers back at our nurturing community, at the sculpting community, um, where uh, we get angry and we wrestle and we struggle and we doubt and we ask a lot of hard questions and we get really annoyed at, at kind of black and white conservative people. And uh, sadly, the reality is at this point um, – That we, that a lot of people just end up throwing it all in. And, and kind of what I begin to look at is, is there a way that we can actually do this healthily, both in terms of the church journeying alongside young people and older people as they go through these times of unraveling? Um, Because we don't do that well. And so the majority of people, I think it's like 60 to 80% is what most um, most of the statistics kind of say. Majority of people, 60 to 80%, throw the faith out of those who have grown up in Christian faith, throw it out by the time they're 22, 24. So, um, uh, and so within that, how do we, really the heart of the book is, how do we um, not throw the baby of faith out with the bathwater of cultural Christianity is essentially what I look at. The thing is that most days we refuse to end what needs to be ended. We hold on to it, carry it with us and let the poison mingle. A knife in the back, we leave it piercing, keeps stabbing heart and lungs and the once whole pieces. But to begin again with rebuilding, it always occurs on a solid foundation, the clearing of the ruins, no more what ifs, no more holding on with gripped fingers. She is learning how to let go. She is learning how to let go. She is learning how to let go. She is learning how to to build again. The reconstruction that comes after the crumbling, Begins with a closing and a clearing and the pouring of a new foundation. So we give ourselves to these moments, this beginning, this forging, this change in the wind. We lift tired heads demanding that we are more than this. Even as our necks are splintered and our backs are broken and our tongues are blistered and still we turn ourselves around and smell the movement. Let the soft. Breeze blow. She always comes slow.
1: The story, it's super unique um, that you have, but what you were talking about, like where crap hits the fan and everything just goes, what happened? um, That's a story of myself and so many people who listen to this podcast. Um, So my what really struck me was that you the book really seems to be about. The wrestle of actually going, well, how do I figure out what's actually good in this and what's mine and what's God and who is God and what's cultural and can I get rid of? Because it's very, it's, sometimes it's nearly easier with the pain to throw out all of it or it feels like the healthiest option. So how did you figure out how to keep I know. How did you figure out who yeah. you were in that? Yeah, no, that's, that's a, really a great question.
0: question. I um, I, I mean, first to say, I, I do think it's not just my own story. I think it's the story of so many people that I talk to uh, who are just kind of done. They're kind of so many people just over um, a lot of the hypocrisy and a lot of the uh, what they see, whether it's within the Australian church or the American church. Um, there's a lot of young people who are like, who just cannot believe, I think, kind of what the church has done in terms of our engagement with issues like asylum seekers and like the environment and these things that those of us who should be passionate about uh, the injustices of our world that have just been widely ignored Uh and where the church should be at the forefront of, of these realities. And so I think more and more, I think as well, we're just going to see this happen like it's already happening all the time, but I think it's just going to happen again and again and again and again. And the, the church really is either going to work out how to come alongside people, young people and allow them to be where they're at Um or it's going to die out. Um, and so I, I think in answer to your question, though, I think that perhaps that's actually what helped me and where it began for me is is I, um, I came to a way of being able to um, – I think I had some people in my life, but not just people. I came to some specific books that really helped me to kind of process through uh, what I was – feeling and experiencing the questions that I was having and books that that kind of said, this is okay. It's okay for you to be where you're at, uh, which I think is one of the most crucial things for us to know and anyone listening to this podcast is, is it's so okay for you to be where you're at, to ask the hard questions, to not back away from them. Um, and then as we do so then and go through this kind of sifting process, I suppose it is, um, part of it I think is getting outside of our... Um, our own cultural fishbowl so if i if i have grown up within very white middle-class conservative evangelicalism my how i read the bible is real and how i think about god is really different to uh, how uh, one of my beautiful indigenous sisters would and uh, or, or, or um, African American in uh, over there in the states, or uh, one of my incredible um, First Nations Indigenous uh, brothers or sisters over in the over in the states as well, and so. Um, people all over the place essentially what I learned was that I need to listen to those who aren't part of my own culture to come to a broader understanding and a bigger understanding of who God is and what Christianity looks like and and what and how they read the scriptures um, all that kind of stuff and so I think a major part that helped me kind of sift through it was having conversations with people of a uh, even just of a different skin color of a different demographic of a different understanding. That helped me to be able to say, okay, I, I recognize these are the cultural things that just come out of my white cultural evangelicalism that I grew up within. And, and perhaps these are the things that I really want to hold on to. Um, and that's kind of where the the beginning of the woven journey for me when when these unraveled threads kind of were able to be woven back together and find a new weave. I really was sitting with these things and and saying, okay, at the core and heart of who I am, uh, at at the deepest level of my convictions, there is a God who loves and who has made people and creation, who has made people in his image, who has made creation and said it is so, so very good. And if I just sit with that at the heart, with that at the very center and begin to live out of those convictions, and values then then all all other is kind of superfluous um all other maybe not superfluous maybe that's too strong a word but all other um is a way of of coming back to that stuff that sits at the core and the heart and so i sat there with those things that are at the core and the heart of who i was and it was about that time i also picked up a book uh, by a guy named john o'donohue um and i talk about this as kind of i suppose my movement of of reconstruction if 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 a lot of what had happened to me the unraveling was a deconstruction then this was how i was able to reframe my life and he was a celtic um irish celtic poet philosopher and and essentially i picked up his book one day and i found myself in it your question was how did i find myself in the midst of it i i found myself in the (laughs) midst of a writer who said um who kind of named all this stuff that had happened in my life and the things that i held onto as most dear, things about being connected to creation and the earth, uh, things all about kind of uh, contemplative experiences of God and finding God in nature and the world around all of these things that didn't really fit, so much that didn't fit within my evangelical upbringing. And yet now through his writings, I realized actually that there's a whole tradition I'm not just some weird freak uh, heretic out there on my own. There's a whole tradition of hundreds of of, like, yes. of hundreds and hundreds of years going back all the way to to Saint Patrick uh, over in Ireland and Saint Columba coming to Scotland and Saint Aidan and all of these Celtic this this Celtic kind of Christianity that was able to hold so much of what I wasn't being wasn't able to see being held together in my upbringing it was able to hold it together and I found and the way that I phrase it is I found a tradition that I could belong to and that for me kind of then sat at the heartbeat of how I began to reframe my Christianity I'm speaking of God and of disappointment and the sacred you can feel so far away I'm speaking of anger and frustration And a faith that is broken and scared and running. I speak of shame. speak of the comfortability of ignorance. Haven't we all walked this path before? My self-condemnation is getting too loud and it blocks out everything, including you and I. We need the silence. The empty space where we once held hands, but now too many. Too many severed tendons and too many broken bones. And I do not know who to blame. So I blame myself and the shadow. I'm broken open like mama bird, like papa bear, like first love, like tears fall, like the cross, like grace. Now holy and broken, now lonely and hoping, now doubting, still I chase the flame. Still I chase the flame.
1: Were you lecturing at the time when you went through this? Uh, Yeah,
0: I was. uh, I had been, well, it kind of, it was, it it was been a long process of, it really began as I was a youth pastor or becoming a youth pastor at my old church up in, up in Wollongong in, um, in New South Wales. And um, I, I then went from there and, and went into, um, studying at a theology college, and then went into lecturing and and running that a uh, program of spiritual formation for young people. So it was probably um, it was it was as I was r- running that and lecturing th- at that college. That's when I first picked up that book uh, and kind of finally found my home. So I was I was lecturing and working things out and was a youth pastor as I was doing all this. Yeah,
1: what is it like to like read and teach from? Uh, not all of it, I imagine, but there, there would be some cultural interpretations that you would read from and lecture from. That's just nearly I would think, a given in our Western evangelical church. Um, mm. And you're deconstructing your faith and your theology yeah. um, amongst that. How do you? How did you go between teaching this and then sort of going? But also in my personal life, I'm literally taking this concept or this principle at home and just unpacking it and saying, "Where are you, God?" In that was that? Already? Yeah, like, totally. Did you experience that?
0: Oh absolutely I mean one of the one of the great things about this course that I was helping to run and lecture within was that it was essentially it was a course that was for people who many most of them were kind of on their last um, their last ditch effort when it came to faith Perfect. Like, yeah yes. and so it was actually a space for a lot of them that I was able to be really honest in there was definitely some who just didn't get it and but who's kind of i suppose through mine and the other lecturer's experiences eyes were opened to some of the reality of our world and the cultural realities of of our world and so um it, but it's definitely a wrestle as well because w- what we found what we didn't want to do was kind of teach uh 30 kind of 30 year old spirituality to someone in their 20s so because uh, i think yes. because what because what tends to happen is like the sculpted self and and that fishbowl that we kind of grow up in or the other way that I frame it is kind of the the family table, the kitchen table that we go up around. We actually needed that. We needed to be told the rules. We needed a sculpting community to say this is who God is. This is. This is the doctrines we believe in. This is what we're on about as a family. This is like we need those kind of rules at the start of our faith and the start of our journey, the start of our life. They're really important to have that. But then what we also need to do is be able to, to break those rules, to to question them, to come to our own sense of faith and understanding. We have to be willing to challenge them. Otherwise, they're just the rules of our parents. And they were the, like, otherwise we're just, yeah, the, it's the faith of our parents or the faith of our church or the faith of our, it's not our own thing that we have wrestled with and struggled with and come to. This is what I now own. And so um, I think it's kind of, it was us trying to, it's really crucial, I think, one, to name that, People can be anywhere they are at on this journey. Um, In in fact, it probably isn't even a, it's not helpful actually to think of it kind of as a, you go from sculpted self to unraveled self to woven self because life just never works like that. So life is much more messy. We're always, there's always parts of me that are sculpted. There's parts that are unraveling and there's parts that are, that I feel like are finding a new weave. Um, and and it will continually be in that cycle. I think throughout the rest of my life. But in terms of teaching it and holding it with other, it was a it was a wrestle and a struggle. And I think uh, I probably did sometimes a good job at that and sometimes an awful job at that.
1: <laughs> How do you keep your heart soft now that you you've got, you've worked through a lot of your convictions mm-hmm. and your beliefs and your values? Um, and at, and at least from someone who's seen you perform and. Talked with you a little bit. You seem to have a really solid grounding of who you are and what you believe and who you know yeah. God to be. How do you hold that now and keep your heart soft towards people who disagree on some things with you, especially when they're possibly people you grew up yeah. with or they represent the tradition that you? Grew yeah,
0: up with? yeah, that's a great question. Sometimes I really struggle with it, um, <laughs> as you can imagine. Uh, and and part of and then my kind of what I would say is the unraveling parts of me can get a little bit loud, uh, and a little bit, um, Mm -hmm. accusatory and that kind of thing. What, what actually, uh, really helps me to remain grounded is to kind of, whenever I realize that I'm pointing accusatory fingers again, I, I force myself to to turn that finger around and point it back at myself. Like there's a guy named um, Solzhenitsyn, an old um, writer who says that the, the line of good and evil never runs between us and them. It runs down the center of each of us. Um, and, and so yeah. I think in naming that for me, uh, I can too easily, we can too easily, especially Unraveled, can too easily go into the, um, if it's if the sculpted often falls into the we're right and everyone else is wrong, um, then the unraveled kind of falls into the no you 're wrong you 're totally wrong um, and I think the woven then kind of is is able to go actually all of us uh, it 's kind of a humble position it's a it 's a a position of humility to say, "I do not have it together, and you don't have it together what if what if I can actually still learn from you? what if I can like there 's a friend of mine named um, David Andrew, that I, I interviewed the other day, he's a, um, a pianist at Hillsong, um, Hillsong Church. Yeah, oh, he's nice. a beautiful guy, and he he's gone through quite a process of deconstruction and that kind of stuff as well. Um, a lot stemming out of his his little one had passed away, and um, if you can hear, uh, let, let me do a plug for my own podcast for the Deep Place Podcast. <laughs> yeah, please for, um, do. If you want to hear his story, look at uh, look up the Deep Place Podcast on creativity and spirituality. And he talks all about that. Um, but he says, and he says this on the podcast, he's like, you know, I go to church because. I get every week I get to sit next to people that I disagree with and and I need them and and they need me. And so I actually, I need as, as much as the unraveling parts of me want to point accusatory fingers back at kind of hyper-conservative, evangelical, black and white, that kind of thing, actually to come to a place where I'm like, actually, I can learn from them and I need to learn from them. I'm not going to bully, I'm not going to, I don't have to believe everything that they were on about and that I got taught and all that kind of stuff. But um, I can, I'm can. i learning to listen to these different sides, to those who are much more progressive uh, as well as those who are much more conservative and be able to hold what, what pe- different people are saying together. That's the whole woven kind of idea is holding these tensions. Whereas before we kind of go our own way, it's like, well, you just believe whatever the heck you want to and I'll believe whatever. Now it's like... What if we can come together and learn from each other that I don't have to rage against the system that was anymore, but I can still learn from it, still whilst critiquing it, still whilst uh, going on my own journey of that, but um, but with a willingness to know that I do not have it together uh, at all. <laughs> and so I need to learn from all these different perspectives once again. This is for the day when you are torn into, when the discontent comes, when a world once endless is now four walls and closing the constriction of breath and the whisper out ahead, there must be more than this. This is for the day when the old ways can no longer hold you. And when you realise they have not been able to for quite some time now, this is for the day of dissatisfaction. As you take back your cupped hands from the drip of a tap that is no longer flowing, cast it aside, you are more than this. Throw yourself from the nest, flap wings, fall hard. Find a current of air, a stretch of wind and
1: rise. And now a quick break from our conversation to talk about one of our amazing sponsors. Do you create wedding videos, podcasts, ads, content, maybe even one of those slideshows while you're trying to move your church into the 21st century? Well, Soundstripe is the answer to all your problems. The ultimate music stock site made for video producers. They offer a great variety of high quality royalty free songs and have an unlimited licensing model. This is literally one of a kind in the industry. And that is because it was created by musicians. With a monthly or yearly fee, you have unlimited access to world-class music. We are talking composers like Aaron Sprinkle and Matt Winton. Every time you license a song through Soundstripe, the royalty goes straight back to the musician. With Curator Playlist, new music every week, And more than 30,000 special effects. This is the ultimate source of music for creatives. Trust me, I've been using this since day one with Between You and Me. And I can tell you that any background music you are hearing comes directly from Soundstripe. They are absolutely incredible. When you sign up for Soundstripe today, you can get 10% off using the code UMEPOD. That is soundstripe.com with the code UMEPOD. And now back to the show. You share your poetry around the world and I've communicated with a whole bunch of different people from different Mm. walks of life um, and backgrounds and all that sort of stuff. How do they respond to to your message? Because, I mean, you're creative, so you share something creative and automatically I feel like that means people <laughs> are slightly more open because they're yeah. like, well, it's a piece of art. <laughs> but, like, d- does that happen for you? How, do- how does that work? Especially, like, in places that just, like, who the heck is this I, I mean,
0: it's interesting. I get to share it a lot of different places, uh, which is the beauty of, I think, of, of poetry is it kind of allows you to come in um too so I'll be sharing one week at kind of a hyper conservative evangelical black and white place the next week at a hyper pentecostal super spiro kind of place the next week at a hyper progressive leftist nice. or the the gay christian network or the and I kind of uh, poetry allows you to hold a space because people don't feel as threatened like poetry and creativity I think at, at its heart is about sharing things but it's sharing it in a way that um, that normal, like I could come and preach to someone about my social ideas, my theological ideas. As soon as I start preaching, if someone if someone disagrees with what I'm saying, then they'll put their defenses up straight away and they're not going to hear what I say at all. But I think what poetry, what any kind of creativity allows you to do is it's it's subversive. It kind of gets under the skin. Uh, it's a bit Trojan horse-like. Uh, it comes in with, with eloquent words, mm-hmm. or with humor, or with just um, the, within performance poetry, kind of the this, this grabbing, passionate um, experience, or just with stories in general. It brings a story in, and then similar to like Jesus with the parables, like Jesus tells these stories that everyone knows and can feel, and then there's the twist. There's this like uppercut at the end of like, oh this, ah oh, that. That really hurts me because I am <laughs> that person. That's yeah. what I'm trying to do with my poetry, and that's why I think I do get invited into and and not just Christian spaces as well. I do a lot, a whole lot of stuff within uh, non-Christian spaces. I don't, I don't have. Uh, some hookup that I need to be some Christian artist or something like that much more. I'm trying to, um, communicate my art wherever I am, whatever I'm doing. So one, just, Oh, when was this a little bit ago? Um, I was invited to, um, speak on an erotic poetry night. Um, yeah. At the, the launch of my Amazing. friend's erotic poetry book. And, um, and so she it was called, a, the book was called sex and God. Um, and actually, I, I the, the day that I was going, I was actually teaching at a school. This is a funny story. Teaching at a school, and um, I just had the the kind of Facebook event open, and without realizing, this is like year seven Catholic boys, without realizing it, I kind of put my da- put the the thing in for the data projector. And um and didn't kind of realize what was up on the screen, and suddenly these boys are looking at a very scantily clad woman, and it just says sex and God. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure if they were traumatized or highly That's excited. Right. I don't know quite what happened there. But so I go to the, so I go to this night, and there's um oh, wow. yeah. and I and this is the thing is I love being at those night that those kind of nights, and spend a lot of time at those not. I don't go to erotic literature nights all the time, but just nights that aren't things that aren't christian kind of events or even social justice events or whatever but just with um people out in the world and so i um so i was there and on first was a um uh someone who did some poetry and kind of stripped down quite a bit as they did and then was the i was on straight after the naked snake dancer (laughs) yeah so she (laughs) was she kind of Came forward with a sheet around her, and then and was in kind of a. I just have to describe it because it was quite amazing. You could kind of see this silhouette Please. of her dancing in this sheet. It was kind of black with lights pointing at you, and so it was just silhouette. And then this, and they didn't say what it was, what was happening, and so then you just see this weird thing start kind of like this shape this form start coming up kind of out of her neck or something and you had no idea what it was it was just this black moving looked a bit live and and you didn't realize till she then drops her gear and the lights come onto her that it's this massive snake twisted all the way around her naked body so then she came out doing this naked snake dance uh amongst us all with those petrifieds of snakes who you kind of see scatter to the side of the side of the room and so then so she does and then it's me then it's like and now we're going to hear from joel (laughs) so i i proceeded to take off all my clothes no i didn't actually take off all my clothes i proceeded to uh, (laughs) what i actually did is i i went into kind of a i said um I actually went into some stuff around uh, Jewish tradition and Jewish language of the um, the name of God, the name of the divine being Yahweh. And that whole idea that people have heard from like, uh, it's in one of Rob Bell's Numa videos and that idea of breath, um, that Yahweh is this movement of breath. And so I actually had them um, as a whole, um, a whole room full of very new age kind of, uh, kind of that spiritual kind of crew. Um, yeah. You're, you're burning man and you're uh, in Australia kind of rainbow serpent is what it's called a burning man in the States. And um, that kind of yeah. those kind of people. So they, I just got them slowly breathing in and out. Yahweh, yeah, Yahweh. And then as I did, I started to share my poetry over wow. the top of that. Uh, and as a poem about, um, about, essentially it was like an erotic spiritual poem so it was around uh god as the divine as lover um and that kind of i won't, yeah i won't go into too much more detail around it, but they were they uh they were incredible yeah. it was a real. it was like as beautifully a sacred moment as any moment i've ever had in like a church situation or anything like that it was like like what we would say, God was there, God was present. People were weeping during this. And I and one I remember a few of them actually came up afterwards and were like like we go to Burning Man and all that kind of stuff, Rainbow Serpent. We go to all these festivals and and this was like the most spiritual experience I've ever had. I remember one one girl saying, um, which is incredible. And so um, that's what I love to do. I love to be present in this world where God is, where people are and join God in what he's doing and continuing to, to bring freedom into people's lives uh, and to bring freedom into our world situation. That's what I try to do with my poetry.
1: You also... Uh, work a lot with young creatives and people who want to develop their poetry and creativity. Can you tell me a little bit about that and the course totally, you run? Totally, yeah.
0: I am um, I love. For many years, I've been uh, kind of journeying alongside young people, both in their spiritual formation, but also in in creativity. Uh, it's one of my favorite things to do. Actually, is kind of helping people work out how to how to set themselves creatively free to, to push past creative blocks to kind of um, to move past those fears that stop us. And so I've been doing that at lots of different places around the world. And then this past year uh, I started, well, I kind of started two things. So one is the the um, podcast that I mentioned before, The Deep Place on Creativity and Spirituality as a way to, with a, a beautiful um, friend of mine from Nashville where, where you live for many years, Jess. Um, for many years did you live there
1: okay. in Nashville? literally four five Oh, was that it okay it
0: yeah yeah <laughs> so um with a filmmaker she's yeah. a filmmaker and photographer and stuff from the states and so we have brought together a first season of the deep place podcast uh which is kind of looking at this intersection of spirituality and creativity so there's there's a first season done of that second season will happen sometime um and <laughs> okay, yeah, and then um uh yeah. so then so i started this uh course um called a clearing in the forest uh, a writing course for um, uh, the the discovery of self and creativity through the creative process essentially so um we, we I just finished a first run uh, of that I had about sixty people from around the world doing that um, and many of them were thankfully beautifully really moved like it was kind of it's a kind of a course focused yes around creative development and creative skill development but also around uh, self-confrontation and choosing to um, create a clearing in the crazy forest busyness of our life to intentionally do some self-reflection and um, and that kind of stuff. And so um, we had a wonderful first first session, first, um, first run through of that course together. I'm going to be doing that again. Uh, I don't think I've even actually named when I'm doing that again for anyone else, but it'll come up soon. It's in February. I'm going to be starting that. And then um, in april starting a new course called the art of crafting story which will be all around um, for storytellers of any different any types filmmakers and writers and poets and whoever else so um so yeah if you if people are interested have a look at com is where my um, all my online course kind of stuff is and and when this airs it will actually be registration will be open um for both of those courses for um, clearing in the forest the next run the creative process course and for the story-based one so would love to have you look at that if you want to uh, explore more of your own creativity
1: to the artist
0: to those chasers of beauty to the ones who cannot stop themselves to the curious To the inquisitive, to the artist, to those seekers of stories, pens poised on the edges of paper, to the messy ones, to those who go to birthday parties, fleck of paint still plastered through curly hair, to the hopeful, to the determined, to those few who look through lenses to capture moments, see glimpses of what could be. The seagull scavengers stealing what others leave behind To put the leftovers of humanity back together To the artist To the 3am rider scribbling words down on paper Every night, every night, 10,000 hours every night To the singer with a sore throat bloodied Fingers of the guitarist to Piano keys worn down To ivory bone To those who are worn down to ivory bone to the artist we say it.
1: welcome home yeah, i end all of my interviews with a few random popcorn questions um oh, just sure. to sometimes make it lighter sometimes it doesn't go anywhere but deeper so we'll see how we go but
0: sure.
1: um, so i sure. need to
0: answer these really quickly because i'm bad at doing it but i'll try <laughs> you talk
1: six on the Enneagram so you're I totally <laughs> that you're fine um, so you, you already mentioned that you had a moment with a naked snake dancing lady on tour <laughs> but, but when it comes to you being on tour and performing um can yeah. you think of the funniest almost awkward moment you've ever had in front of a mic
0: Oh, dear. Uh, yeah, I can. I was, I was with uh, a friend um, at his conference, a guy named Will Small, who's a poet from um, Gosford area up in the east coast of Australia. And, um, and I sat there and one of the things I love to do at, at different events is to – I told you I'm not going to do short answers, I'm going to do long ones. Um, <laughs> right. I, I, one of the things that I love to do at, at, at conferences and events and things like that is I sit there and I, I write um, poetry throughout – And then I'll get up, like if someone's speaking and doing an hour long speech, I'll I'll talk, I'll get up and I'll share a poem, a poetic response to that is what a bunch of conferences and things get me to do. And so for this one, I'm like, I want to push myself further. So I'm sitting there next to my mate, Will, and I said, hey, can we do this as a, what if we do a, a, a duet piece as soon as this talk finishes, let's do a duet piece and, um, and he's like, what? So we both started writing. So we're writing together. And we kind of worked out that I had a line that if I, as soon as we said that line, then it would go to him. And then he'd say the line again to go back to me. And we just kind of did our own thing. And then we're like, so we just did it, not quite a totally improv, but within kind of, um, we got up straight as soon as the talk had finished to do this, to, to perform together this duet piece. I come up and I'm like, okay, this is going to work. We, we can do this. We can do this. I don't know how many people are there, maybe a thousand people or something. And, um, and and I look at my phone where I've been writing it on and I um and it's gone and so I'm standing there in front of however many people that was there and I just have nothing on my phone that I've been writing it on so I'm kind of panicking and and I l- I just had no idea like I actually like I just had to look up at these thousand people and say, so my poem's gone, my poem has disappeared and and I couldn't and it was it was it was one of those embarrassing moments uh, and then I eventually found that our your our um phones do have a um a, what's it called our phones do have a um <laughs> recently deleted thing on them I recently did de- and so I'm up there on stage panicking Will's looking at me I'm like you're just gonna have to do it yourself Will and so I look at my recently deleted and there it was I didn't even know the notes had a recently deleted thing in them but I found it it was there and I found my poem and I was able to do it but for like standing awkwardly for a minute of silence of nothing in front of a thousand people at a conference is not a fun thing to do
1: oh wow yeah. yes I can absolutely appreciate that <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, If you could collaborate with any poet mm. uh, dead or alive, who would you collaborate
0: with uh, and why Oh John O'Donohue instantly I would love to so he was the guy who I was talking about I picked up his book and it uh, introduced me to Celtic Christianity and to um, to a whole world that I never knew existed. He's like he's had more influence on me than anyone. Uh, I think. And I um, had a much longer, beautiful story around him and a friend of his named Colin Fraser Wishart that I got to meet in America. Um, and, but he, I would love to be able to bring together something with him he passed away probably about the same time that I actually picked up his book um so if you want to read an if you want to read an incredible book listeners uh read John O'Donohue's book Eternal Echoes Eternal Echoes and it will from the first page you'll be like oh this is especially those who love like poetic lyrical language um you will fall in love with this writer so I'd love to do something with him sorry I'm still taking really long to answer your questions
1: Oh, I, I love long answers. Trust me, I get the best content from long answers. You're really not quite popcorn,
0: go- though. It's not quite popcorn, is
1: it? <laughs> well, <laughs> um, my last official question for yeah. you is if you could go back in time um, and you could speak to Joel right before he started traveling overseas mm. and he was about to go to the border and see what he witnessed and begin writing, wow. like. Not I don't want to say not properly writing, but writing from this broken place, yeah. what would you say to him, knowing what you know now? Wow,
0: that's such a good question. Um, what would I say to younger me? Uh, I would say you're going to be okay, that what you experience on this trip, that the the crumbling of your foundations is not going to take you away from... God, it's going to open up a whole new world for you. That that what will feel like uh, what will feel like God leaving, God disappearing. What will feel like um, a crumbling and a shattering. It 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 is that. But the only way that um, a beautiful mosaic. and Now I'm getting into cliche. That's what I'm saying to my to my previous um, self. <laughs>
1: but I- The only (laughs) way that
0: a beautiful mosaic can come is for something to be shattered. So allow the shattering to happen. Um, The only way that maybe I think I'd say something like that. Um, You're going to be okay. Yeah, it's the same thing that I'd say to your readers who are in the midst of a shattering, to your listeners, sorry, in the midst of a shattering and a breaking and a crumbling. You're going to be okay. This is actually an opening. It's not a closing. It's an opening to a whole beautiful new world for you to experience. The revolution was born today. Blink and you'll blink and you blink and you'll miss it. The revolution was born today, the nonviolence, the peace. Born today in the midst of Palestinian territories In the midst of occupation and resistance And fleeing and seeking asylum And governments built on power And a world built on atrocity The inequality of patriarchy Blink and you blink and you'll miss it In the midst of wrapping paper Blink in the midst of Christmas ham Blink in the midst of family broken and family healed Blink blink and you blink and you'll miss it The revolution was born today a baby born today and that he would break the back of violence and injustice and that he would hold up a new way of being this humanity together and that he would hold up a new way of being this divinity together and that the gloom would dissipate and that the deep dark would see the light dawn upon it like split night like shattered weight like war boots And all this talk of retribution Have nowhere to march any longer The revolution was born today Blink and you blink and you'll miss it The peace born today Blink and you'll miss it A new way of being human Blink and you'll miss it The revolution was born today Peace born today In the midst of Palestinian territories In the midst of violence and retribution The revolution was born today Blink and you'll miss it Please blink no longer keep your eyes open.
1: Ta-da! And that was how we had our very first interview with a spoken word poet slash community ambassador slash writer slash. How was he even friends with Richard Raw? Like how my mind is just like what? Joel seems to know everybody, and so like when we caught up, he was literally like, "Have we met?" And I was like, "Yeah, we did once, literally in Nashville, which is ironic because we're both Australian." But anyway. Thank you, Joel. It was such a delight and a pleasure to talk to you after all these years of seeing you perform, and I'm so grateful. If you guys would like to go and follow Joel, it's a great follow. He posts experts from his own poetry and his book, so it's really a good time. Just go follow at Joel Maccaro Poets, and you can also pick up his new book, Woven, A Spirituality Full of Dissatisfied, now on Rong, on Amazon all those lovely things, I will put a link in the show notes for you so you can pick it up straight away. It will be wonderful. As I said before, Christmas time, December, hooray! You know, I love this and I've been trying to find some Christmas themed episodes for you. Look, we're weaving it in there, but I can promise you that through this month, whether or not I discuss Christmas with an artist, you will be hearing some Christmas carols towards the end of every show. You are so, so very welcome, which leads me to finish this show because you need to hear some glorious music from Reliant K. That Let It Snow, Dear Let It Rain, Dear album. Ah, So good all right so guys that is it for today you can follow us at between you and me pods make sure you hit us up for our previous episodes our guests take a look at our merch and see what we have been up to until then i am jessica morris and i will see you in two weeks bye guys
0: With this Christmas wishes missed The point I could convey If only I could find the words to say To let you know how much you've touched my life Because here is where you're finding me In the exact same place as New Year's Eve From the lack of my persistency We're less than half as close as I want to be In the first
1: time that you opened your eyes Did you realize that you would be my savior? In the first breath that left your lips Did you know that it would change this world forever? And the first time that you opened your eyes
0: For listening to the Between You and Me podcast, stay connected by visiting www.betweenyouandmepod.com. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher. For more Christian news, reviews, and interviews, get
1: plugged in to JesusWire.com.